0: you're listening to faith assembly of god online a recording of our weekly service thanks for joining with us a place where hope and reality converge the homecoming returning to things that we have left behind and uh, it's been uh, been a, a great christmas uh, season and just a time and study and taking a look at this story of mary and joseph who the Christmas story begins with them returning to Bethlehem. And of course, we're, we're familiar with the story, and of course, it all begins with them. Coming back to where Joseph was from. We talked over the last couple weeks about that homecoming, about some things that we need to sometimes go back and pick up some things that we have either left behind or things that we've dropped along the way. And we started the first week talking about going back to the place where we belong, because Joseph and Mary returned to Bethlehem, because the Bible says that Joseph belonged to the house of David. And so returning there, going to that place of where they belonged. And when he got there, it was a place of restoration because his great-great-grandfather, times 35. Jacob had gone there as well And it was that place that in that area, that region is where he came in as a refugee but left as a relative. And it's a place of restoration because that is where then the last son of Jacob was born, Benjamin, which means the son of my right hand. And how many know ultimately the greatest son of the right hand was centuries later born in Bethlehem who is Jesus Christ, who is the son of the right hand, seated at the right hand of the father. And so Bethlehem is a place of restoration where the son of the right hand is born. And when we come back to where we belong, We are made new and restored in jesus christ has anybody been made new and restored in jesus christ The old is gone the new has come a place of restoration But I should say as well. We're not only people who have been restored, but we're also people who are being restored It's not a finished product is it look at your neighbor and say you're not done yet this, this process is not finished at you yet this is, it's, a, it's a work that is begun and a work that is continued we are we are restored but we're also being restored and uh, we talked then the second week about uh, returning to the place of the promise and and there are times in our lives where we've got to hold on to the promise of God we would ask Mary and Joseph why they were going back to Bethlehem and they would say it's the political situation of their day it was the politics of their day and it would be political matters of that day that was sending them to Bethlehem because because the king had issued a census but we understand it wasn't a political matter it wasn't circumstances of the day God was taking them back to Bethlehem because that's the place of the promise and we need to live our lives not in view of life's circumstances but live our lives in view of God's promises not, not, not living according to what we see but living according to what the word of God says how many know that will make your life more peaceful and less, uh, less stressful in, uh, in uh, our, our lives, lives pursuit and the things that we, that we go after that when we know to live life or learn to live life, not by how we see things but by what the Word of God says, and we live according to God's Word. We talked then uh, last week about returning to our commitments. Joseph and Mary were returning to Bethlehem together because the Bible says that they were pledged to be married to one another. That pledge is a commitment. There was a commitment made. And in our lives, we need to sometimes go back to some commitments that we have made either in, in in relationships with one another or with God. But our commitments are all about relationships. The stronger your commitments, the stronger your relationships God is not God is God's glory is not displayed in our great dreams, but His glory is displayed in our great commitment. It's not when we dream great things for God. It's not when we begin great things for God. It's when we trust God and see through those difficult moments just like what God was doing in the life of of the Israelites when they were coming from Egypt and into the promised land. They still reached difficult points and difficult places. And God sometimes is taking those things and working that in us because he's perfecting in us and developing us and making us ready. I was talking with a a friend of mine this week and and he said, I came to Uniontown with great dreams and great, great visions to do great things for God. He said, but when I got the Uniontown, it looked a lot different than what the dream was like. He said, but I don't think God's done with the dream. He said, it looks a lot different. And in our time together, it kind of ended this way, saying, I think the reason why it looks different than our dreams sometimes is because God is bringing us back to the dream, but he's bringing us in such a way that when we get there, only he can get the credit for it. He's bringing us in such a way so that when we arrive and when he brings us into that dream, it won't be because what we have done. It won't be because of what we have set out or our intentions or our good deeds or what we have done. It will only be by the grace of Jesus Christ that anything is done. And how many know it is the grace of God that causes us to live and breathe and move and have our being? And because of his grace... That's what we live from. That is our commitment that we trust God through whatever the difficult times are because His grace will see us through, that we pursue and we trust God. Today we conclude this homecoming series with looking at returning to a hunger for God. Returning to a hunger for God. And since it's a year of candy or a season of candy, this is uh, the Christmas season. Redstone loves us and we love Redstone. Uh, we have a good relationship. They can, uh, uh, they can make candy just for Christmas and special occasions and we'll buy it up and keep them in business till next year. So keeping with the candy spirit and everything, you've heard the Christmas story, but I want to I just uh, uh, kind of whet our appetite a little bit. If you're not hungry, I want to help you get hungry. And so I'm going to tell the story from a way that I heard it a, a while ago from Pastor Ed, but some things have been added to it. And uh, if you remember Pastor Ed, our children's pastor, and this is the Christmas story, the candy version of the Christmas story. So if you want some candy, I'm going to give it away and you can have some candy. You look like you want some candy, don't you? no okay good he did not yes because you wouldn't want to lie in church because i like how pastor don said that you can't lie in church where else should you lie i don't know how i mean if you can't lie in church you can't lie anyway here we go so here's the christmas story are you ready for it christmas story is this mary and joseph they were some sweet tarts oh this is going to be slow come on this is going to be rough there were some sweet tarts and they were, they were in love and so they were, they were planning to get married and, and because of, of their plan to get married, they traveled together. I don't know if you like sweet tarts. You got to catch if you like sweet tarts. And they had to travel together because there was this big whatchamacallit who uh, issued a decree and said that you had, these are my favorite candy bars. I couldn't find it in first service, but somebody went and found it for me. So amen. All right. So... What? I I got more I'll share. Oh come on. I haven't had one for a long time. So this big whatchamacallit had called for a tax and so they had to travel and while they were traveling Mary was getting chunky. You got it? Go, uh, and so they arrived in Bethlehem, and when they get there, uh, of course, as, as they were there, Mary gets into the place where they are. And on the other side of the hill in Bethlehem, when, when Mary and Joseph arrived there, there were some shepherds, and they were keeping watch over their flock. And while they were watching the flock, all of a sudden, a symphony of angels began to, to sing. Symphony of angels. We've got to give this to uh, uh, it's, it's Hershey Chocolates. That's you can't ever have enough Hershey chocolate, so. <laughs> the symphony of angels began to sing, and, and they sang glory to God in the highest. They announced that, the, that the, the Messiah was born, so the shepherds make their way into Bethlehem. On the far end of the hill, on the other side, there were these smarties. I don't like these. You can have them. Yeah. <laughs> there were these smart. Hey, you want to watch? Yep, I'm serious. This could be a dangerous sermon. There were these Smarties who were looking up in the Milky Way. Now, I know I've got a Milky Way fan somewhere back here. There's got to be somebody who loves Milky Ways. Do you love Milky Ways? Merry Christmas to you. That is just for you. Yeah, Milky Ways. So these, these three, these Smarties were up looking at the Milky Ways, and while they were up there, they saw a great light, and so the three Musketeers decided three musketeers. I might as well just take this with me. So the three musketeers decided to get on their camels and head and make their way to Bethlehem. And so they followed the starburst all the way to Bethlehem. They followed the starburst. I like that. That's, this is, this is class participation. Way to model it, teacher. Good. All right. She's a teacher. So they followed the starburst all the way and in hand they took with them gifts that were worth more than a hundred grand. <laughs> gifts that were worth more than a hundred grand. Yeah, that's, that, I, I do like those too. You could save me two of them. That'd be fine. <laughs> and when they got to Bethlehem, there they arrived in Bethlehem and when they got there, they saw the little baby Ruth. and uh, Baby Ruth, no? Okay. You weren't fast enough. You weren't fast enough. So they saw the baby Ruth, and, and they're surrounding the baby Ruth, the little baby there. The baby was there surrounded with a whole bunch of cowtails. whole bunch of cowtails. You like cowtails? Are you allowed to have them? Are you, are you sure? I'm not going to get in trouble if I give these to you, are you? Oh, you have to give a tithe to mom and dad, yes. 10%, all right. <laughs> And so the 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 stable was filled with cow tails, and everybody then was full of almond joy. Absolutely disgusting. I don't even know why they made this. Okay, wait a minute. I I can't get an amen, but I can get a ooh. I mean, what is that? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, I got to give these uh, almond joys. Really, you actually like these? These, they're the best. I'm glad we believe in Jesus because I don't like almond joys, but we can <laughs> we can love Jesus together. You know, if uh, it's one of those things that have been been said that if you're hungry, eat a Snickers because Snickers satisfy. Have you ever heard that before? You see, this morning, our hunger talking about, anybody like Snickers? I got to get rid of these because they can't stay at my house too long. There's a. Snickers, anybody like, (laughs) just kidding, I'm just kidding, there you go, Snickers really satisfies, let me ask us this morning the question, how's our appetite, how's our appetite today, what is it that we're craving, you see, every single one of us have cravings, and we sometimes think that we have to get our cravings under control, that's not true, we think that cravings are the problem. It's not a problem that you crave something. You were made to crave things. You were made to feel hunger. You were made to desire things. I take my it out before it melts. <laughs> we were made to desire things. We were made to crave. We were made to long and look and, and, and desire. The question is, or the problem is not that we crave. The issue is sometimes we crave things that are not helpful or beneficial. See, the physical is the same as the spiritual. We're not going to talk about the physical, so everybody, if you're like me, whoo, thank you, Lord. But it still plays a part. But we're talking about the spiritual today because just as in the physical, if you crave something that is of junk food, you see, you you can crave something that is junk food. The problem with that is the more you crave that, and the more you have that, the more burden, and more disappointment, and more difficulty. And even literally, the more weight it brings in your life. But when you begin to crave things that are healthy, when you begin to crave things that are beneficial, it does the opposite. Spiritually speaking in our lives, when we crave the things. John Bevere, uh, uh, a favorite author of mine, I, I love his writings and uh, um, very grounded in the Word of God. He tells a story that when he was in college, he craved nothing but uh, um, um, just the uh, the hostess cakes and the ding-dongs and all those stuff, the Twinkies. and He said he craved nothing but that. He said, but then he reached a place where he began to just eat salad with different fruits and all kind of greens. He said he's now at a stage in his life where now he craves that even more. His appetite has now become so so developed and made different that he craves something healthy. You see, the problem sometimes is we try to curb our cravings by cutting them out, and that's not the answer. It's not cutting out the cravings, it's redirecting it. And spiritually, it's the same way. It's not a problem that you want fulfillment in life. It's not a problem that you want peace. It's not a problem that you want happiness, that you want joy. It's not a problem that you desire those things. The problem is not the craving. The problem is where we go for or where we go to find it. The problem is where we're headed and the things that we look towards. We, have, of course, are familiar with this, this story and this this story that takes place, this third most important event in history that takes place in this town of Bethlehem. The third most important event is because the second most important event was when Jesus died and the most important event is when Jesus rose from the dead. So at the time, it was the most important event when Jesus came, came and was born. But then it was trumped by the day Jesus died on the cross and that was trumped by the day that Jesus rose from the dead and that is still the greatest greatest event in history is that the tomb is empty and we serve a king who is not of this world but a king who, de- who declared victory on the cross of Jesus Christ and is now seated at the right hand of the father which is what Bethlehem the place of restoration where the son of my right hand is born and he is that God in place making intercession for us. We serve this God who is alive, this God who is working in our midst. And this third greatest event that happened in history took place in Bethlehem, which is called the house of bread. Beth or Bethel would be the house of God, but Beth meaning the house and the last part, of course, Lehem, meaning the house of bread. And it was known as the place that was called the house of bread. And in this place, I believe it's significant, we know it's significant, that Jesus, the bread of life, was born in Bethlehem, the place that is called the house of bread. But just outside the village on a hillside, there were some significant, yet not so special individuals who were a part of this great event. They were shepherds who were keeping watch over flocks of sheep. And here in Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at the story. And in Luke chapter 2, we find this and looking at their response to Bethlehem, what they did at the moment they heard this response. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. I feel like there ought to be some Charlie Brown music behind me. Don't you just, you always think of the, uh, at least I do. Thank God that Charlie Brown preached the gospel. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us today. And they came with haste And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things hidden in her heart and she pondered on them. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all these things. For all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the hunger that you put in us. And I pray, God, that you would help our hunger to be restored, our hunger to be, to be at a place, God, where we can be satisfied. So, Lord, we ask your blessing on this time. Lord, not just words spoken, but God, even more. Our ears to hear your to hear your spirit and respond to you today. In Jesus' name. And everyone hungry said. Amen. Amen. Here are the shepherds on the hillside and they. Of course, they're keeping watch over the flock, as we have read. It's interesting here that these shepherds are the people of that day and of that culture that would have been outcasts. In fact, they are individuals who, they were the the dirtiest, they were not the wealthiest, they didn't have anything to bring. All they did was take care of sheep, and sometimes not even their own sheep, someone else's sheep. And so they would take care of these sheep, and here's the interesting thing as well, that even their own work, by the work that they had done, they were religiously, Unclean. They were not even able to go into the temple because of the work that they had done. They were unclean. They were, they were, they were outcasts of their day. But here it is on the hillside, Jesus, or I'm sorry, the uh, God sends angels, the messengers, to announce the arrival of Jesus' birth and he, to make the announcement, he comes to these individuals who are on a hillside who are unclean spiritually and, and literally just in a place of, of filth and a place that, that not many will want to be in. But God brings an announcement and brings a news to them. I believe God says, sends a word to these individuals because it is likely that these shepherds were taking care of sheep that from their flock very well could be that in the next couple months one of these lambs would be presented at the temple and made for a Passover sacrifice. It's very likely that from these flocks they would have been preparing or had been watching over the lambs that would have been the next sin offering that would have been that would have been sent to the temple just six miles away. It's a good chance that they would have been presenting a temple or presenting a lamb that would have been for their tribe and for their for their people of Benjamin in that area to send a sacrifice. And God comes to these shepherds and is saying to these shepherds, those lambs that you care for and that you have to give year after year after year is now about to be. Be done because there is now a sacrifice that will be satisfied will be complete because the lamb of God is born and the lamb of God who's born in the house of bread will be a sacrifice that will not have to be repeated over and over again because hebrews says once and for all a sacrifice has been made once and for all and so what that word means satisfied is that because of jesus christ the angels were making an announcement to these shepherds and saying in essence glory to god in the highest promises come but these lambs that you have to give to slaughter and give for the sacrifice is now going to be done with soon because there is an ultimate sacrifice that has been born and what you had to do over and over again will no longer have to be due because the one has come who will satisfy it all once and forever so this place of Bethlehem becomes a place of satisfaction really it becomes a place where it is now satisfied, where the law of sin, where they would have to have to take their lambs and they would have to present an offering to God and they would do it on a regular basis. It is now at a place in this place of Bethlehem where that, that offering is satisfied because Jesus is born. The arrival of Jesus Christ has come and now it's no longer a place of where they need to go and have it done over and over again, but it is once and for all. You see when we hunger after God it doesn't mean that we'll never hunger again. I know Jesus of course Jesus says that, that you'll never hunger again. And what he's what he's saying there and making the parallel is this that yes snickers can satisfy you. And I've even believed that. Some of you are like I can tell you really do believe that. Well I thank you. I do believe Snickers satisfies. I was literally at Kmart one day a while ago and I'm I was I hadn't eaten all day and I'm at the checkout and I see Snickers and all of a sudden I hear the commercial playing in the back of my head. Hey, hungry? Eat a Snickers. It satisfies. Sure, why not? But here's the reality. How many know that you can eat of those things but it will cause you to be hungry again? Here's the problem. When I'm hungry again, I can't go back to the same Snickers. I have to go back to another and something different. I have to wait for that process all over again. There's a process that has to be done. But because of Jesus Christ, when you hunger and thirst after him, you go to a place where your needs are continually met, where he never runs out. It's a place that, yes, you may desire again, because when you taste of something good, you can't help but want more of it. Come on, I'm not the only one that loves to eat around here. I mean, when you taste something good, you want more of it. And when you have Christ, when we have the things of God and the presence of God in our lives, we can't help but desire more. It's not that you'll quit desiring. It's that you can desire all you want, and he'll keep filling you over and over and over and over and over again. It's that he satisfies and will never run out. Unlike everything else, it runs its course and needs replaced. Jesus Christ will never run its course. He is the bread of life for eternal life. It is eternity, for eternity. Here it is, these angels are in this place and they have this message that is told to them and, and imagine they're out in the, the, uh, the dark and when you're in the dark, you become more alert to the th- sounds and things around you. Isn't that right? Like at three in the morning when a strong gust of wind hits the side of your house and wakes you up. Anybody else notice that this morning? And I thought, Lord, you're coming. Take me, Jesus. He didn't take me, but he took one piece of my siding. And, uh, but Bless the Lord, we put it back. It's all good. There's these things that in the night, they, they grab your attention. Here's the, the uh, shepherds, and their job is to protect the sheep. That's one thing to protect the sheep in the daytime, you can see. But now you need to protect the sheep, and it's nighttime. And you imagine at nighttime, they're maybe not on edge, but they hear things. And when they can't see, they go according to their hearing. You know, when you're laying, around, laying in bed and you hear those noise, you hear those things more. And imagine, here are these shepherds and they're watching. They hear stuff over in the, maybe some twigs over there. They hear something, their attention is taken. And this, I think, is, is really, I think, could, could have been a better plan to bring in the announcement because why is it that the angel comes all of a sudden in the dark and shows up out of nowhere? The Bible says suddenly, and suddenly means suddenly. And the first thing he says is, do not be afraid. You know what I'm thinking? It's kind of late for that right now. <laughs> you could have sent a letter, a text message or something ahead of time, you know, just showing up and saying, hey, don't be afraid. It's like, too late now. You know, we've just passed over that. thing. But here they show up in the middle of the night and they show up on the scene and they're giving this announcement. And as these angels are giving the announcement, they're saying to the shepherds that the promise had come. Here in Bethlehem, the, the fulfillment has been made. Here in this place called the house of bread, here's what I think is so interesting. These shepherds, their job was to take care of the sheep, some of them the lambs, some of them the lambs that would be presented for offering. I believe this this morning, God will reveal himself to us who are faithful in giving what we have to his worship. God will reveal, I believe that is that, that God will, just like these shepherds, that God will reveal himself to us, to us who give what we have. Of course, the, the, the angels tell him not to be afraid and, uh, because he brings them the good news. And that the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, notice he says the Savior, the Messiah, the promise has come. And these shepherds are in this place. How many want God to reveal more of himself to you? God, reveal more of you to me. That, that is, And if that's our prayer, and I believe one of the things that these shepherds were at a place of ready to hear is because God reveals himself to us who give what we have and prepare what we have for worship to God. That when we honor God with worship, when we give what we have, hunger represents a craving or desire. And this morning, identifying, asking ourselves, what is it that we crave? What is it that we desire? What is it that we hunger for? Here in these... Uh, these shepherds some things i think we can catch the the bible tells us in matthew chapter 5 verse 6 he says blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness he makes this promise for they shall be filled if we hunger and thirst after the things of god our issue sometimes is not that we're hungering not having a hunger it's sometimes our appetites have already been filled these shepherds give us a little bit of uh, some understanding as they responded in going to Bethlehem. And let's look at some things that they did just outside of Bethlehem. And by the way, Bethlehem was called the house of bread because it was a place of abundant crops. That's where the corn and different crops grew. so uh, They were so abundant because of the area where it was and the, the fertilization. And so it was called the house of bread because crops were abundant there. How many know it's not ironic that Jesus, the one who gives abundant life, was born in the place called Bethlehem where the crops were abundant and where the bread of, bread of life was born because Jesus says in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly, life to the full, life of abundance. And God desires to put that in our lives, and that can only come through Jesus Christ alone. Here's the shepherds. Here's some things real quick this morning that the shepherds kind of give us some insight on. Here's what they said, number one, in verse 12. The angel says to him, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This will be a sign to you. See, here immediately the shepherds begin their journey and they look for the signs not that point to their needs being met, but point to recognizing where Jesus or who Jesus Christ is. Let me ask you, what signs are you looking for in life? What is it that you're looking in your life, those directional signs, those signs that say life is complete, life is full, life is abundant, life is good, and sometimes we can judge them based off of our bank account, based off of our health, based off of our relationships, and how many know that sometimes those things deplete or those things are empty and that we can sometimes look to those signs to identify satisfaction, but they leave us empty, but here these shepherds are going and they're looking for the signs that identify Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today that if you live your life looking for the signs of Jesus in your life, you will find more satisfaction, more peace, more joy, more contentment, because when you find Jesus in the midst of the trial, you can be like Daniel in a lion's den and still sleeping. You can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fires around you and still at peace. Why? Because there's a fourth man in the fire who looks like the son of God when I identify and live my life to look for the signs of Jesus see but sometimes we live our life and we look for the signs of self-satisfaction we look for the signs of the best paying job again back to what we said in the prayer time when you make the primary honoring Jesus he'll take care of the secondary but when you make the secondary the primary you're on your own when you make the primary or the secondary the primary, finding those things, you make that your, your, your focus, then you're on your own. But the moment you make your primary honoring Jesus and letting worship go before God, he'll take care of everything else. When we seek first that kingdom, what are the signs that you're looking for? What are the signs that, that grab our attention? And living the life, asking, maybe even asking yourself today, where is Jesus in this life moment today? Where's Jesus in your marriage Where's Jesus in your workplace? Somebody like you, yeah, you don't know where I work. It's hard to find Jesus there. Well, you're there. Where's Jesus in your home? Where's Jesus in your finances? Where's Jesus where are the, Where's Jesus in your, in, in your pursuit in, in the, the things of success? Where's Jesus in your relationships? When we look for the signs of Jesus, and here's the shepherds, they went and they looked for the signs that identified where the Messiah was. Instead of us looking for the signs that we think will give us life that we want, look for the signs that identify Jesus Christ. Because when you find Jesus, you find everything else you need. Thank you, five of us. We're not kidding. I know we're chewing on that. But sometimes the signs that we're looking for, can I tell you, some of us are too busy looking at people as our signs. We're looking at people as our signs. Can I tell you, I'm not your sign? Yes, I'm a pastor, but to be quite honest with you, I'm in the same category as you because we're all priests. Now I realize my role has a little bit of an elevation because of being a pastor. I don't take that lightly. That 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 scares me and humbles me. I I I tremble before the Lord knowing the responsibilities, but I am not your sign. I I become someone who might be able to help and be an encouragement, but your sign needs to come from Jesus Christ himself. You need to know where he is in your life. You can't follow another man to find what God wants for you. Yes, you might be in a place where Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but somewhere along the way, you're going to have to meet Jesus on your own. Somewhere along the way, you're going to have to know his words for yourself. Somewhere along the way, you're going to have to hear directly what he says to you because it's time sometimes it's not enough to just be the bird that sits in the nest waiting for someone to puke in your mouth that's disgusting who would even think of saying that that's should be ashamed of yourself anybody hungry (laughs) oh my 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 stuff that comes out under the anointing that's what see them That's what CM Ward would say. Um, But there comes a moment where we have to, where's the sign that God is leading us to? We we need support, we need one another, but there's moments in the night I can't call on anyone but Jesus. And I've got to see the sign shining in the midst of where I am that points to him in the midst of my difficulty, in the midst of my situation, in the midst of where I am, looking for the signs that point to Jesus. Some of us need some blinders because we're looking at all these other signs. But we need to set our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus here. Let me give you the other thing the shepherds did. The Bible says in verse 15, they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has told us about. Now, we're not told in the scriptures here, so I don't know if this is exactly what they did, but we're left to imagine now. If they have the sheep that they're watching, and they say, come on, let's go, what do you think happened to the sheep? I'm guessing, and I would say, they left the sheep because they left something of insignificance to pursue something of greater significance. Sometimes our hunger and our pursuit for God means we need to leave or walk by things that only ruin our appetite so that we might get to the place where our appetite can be satisfied. Sometimes we gotta leave the sheep behind and go after the house of bread. Going to the place where satisfaction is. Sometimes we've gotta leave some things behind. In just a couple days, well actually next week, Uh, At the end of the second service next week, uh, we're going to go visit family. And one of the things we do when we visit family is my mom will likely be cooking a meal. And when my mom is cooking a meal, and Jody already knows this, she's okay with it. We, We have a great marriage, but Jody even agrees my mom is one of the best cooks we know. And so uh, Jody's got her specialty. She does some stuff. But man, when we go to mom's house, there's a spread. And mom is making something. And usually as we're going, Jaron will be, uh, uh, the kids will either be saying, I wonder if Mama's making rock and rolls. Because Jaron didn't know how to say uh, cinnamon rolls. And so he said rock and rolls when he was a baby. And so they're still called rock and rolls. We still call them Mama's rock and rolls. And everybody make a list and say what we might be getting when we get to mom's house. And when when I'm going to my mom's house, we go about three and a half hours away. And as we're traveling, we go through Cumberland. Do you know what's in Cumberland? A Chick-fil-A. You know? And then you go through Cumberland, you got to stop at the Chick-fil-A because I think Uniontown could use a Chick-fil-A. But, (laughs) boy, we are hungry, aren't we? But I'm going to go to mom's house and I know when we get there, we're going to be eating. But do you know, I go through Cumberland and I drive right by Chick-fil-A. Why? Because I know Chick-fil-A is nothing compared to what I have waiting for me. And I even drive by all you can eat steak place on on 81 heading north. I drive by all these restaurants on this route in this whole place that I'm going. I drive past all those restaurants and I think, man, that could taste good, man, that'd be nice. No, that might be, but I've got something greater on the other side. I know that when I get to mom's house, my mom has this crazy thing. I say, Mom, it's only five of us and two of you, seven people. She says, okay. So she cooks for seven people and acts like we've got all 30 some of us coming over for dinner. And so there's always leftovers. Does your mom cook like that? Or your mom, yeah, we, you know, we love, I love leftovers. I don't have any problem with leftovers. So when I go to Mom's house, I'm like, Mom, all the leftovers, just put them in. We'll bring the Tupperware back. Just put it in. We'll, We'll bring it back. We'll even clean it. Just put it in. Because I know that when I get to mom's, I'll drive past all of this because I know when I get to mom's house, I'll find something far better. More, You know what? Not only will I find something, not, not only, here's the difference. I drive right by the Chick-fil-A that's made for everybody to arrive at my mom's house that's made just for me. And your hunger and your pursuit, you're feeding on things that is general and for everybody. And God says, but I have a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies, a place just for you and a place where I have prepared for you. And sometimes to get there, you've got to drive by the Chick-fil-A's because sometimes you stop at the Chick-fil-A. Imagine this, I show up at mom's house. I sit down at the dinner table. I say, mom, everything looks good, looks wonderful. I look at it for a couple minutes. I stand up and I say, thanks, mom. We'll come back next year. My mom might be offended if I didn't eat any of that food. I know the other thing is when I show up, I'm going to come hungry because I know she's prepared something for me. In our lives, some of us have got to drive by some stuff that we've been parking at too long. You've been hanging out at Eaton Park. (laughs) God says, I've got something even better. I would rather eat at the table prepared for me rather than the table shared by everybody else. Think about that for a moment You're eating on food that was made for everybody But your father has food that was made just for you And you got to drive by the generals To get To what God has just for you When you hunger and thirst after righteousness You shall be filled Here this morning I don't know I'm going to ask the worship team to come today And I don't know where you are Your hunger for God That passion That desire That desire Maybe you need to return to a hunger for God. There are times in my life where God will call me to a fast. And in fact, we, we have now here at Faith Assembly for the last couple of years have called a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. And this year it's scheduled for January the 5th through the 26th. And the idea is this, to fast, to stay away, or to take certain things that we might crave to take them from us so that we might spiritually crave the things of God more. Can I explain it this way? Listen, in Deuteronomy 16, chapter 3, God said to the people of Israel, every time at this year, I want you to prepare a Passover meal. And for seven days, I want you to eat bread without yeast. I want you to eat bread without yeast with kind of like crackers of some sort. And I don't want any meat to be around. For seven days, I don't want any of that He says, for seven days every year, do this. Now, you and I would look at that and say, hey, they ought to do it because God told them to. But can I tell you, the power was not in them fasting. The power was in the message, because here's what God said. I want you to do that for seven days because I want you to never forget what happened and where I took you from. I don't want you to ever forget that your ancestors in, in Israel or in Egypt had to leave before the yeast, the the bread could rise. They had to leave and eat bread without yeast because they were in a hurry. And they had to leave in such a hurry that they had no time for the bread to, to continue its process. And because I want you to remember what I did in their life, because I want you to remember that I redeemed them, I want you to know that. And so I want it to become so real to you that every year at this time, I want you to stay away and not take those things in your body. He was saying to them, the power is not in the practice of fasting. The power was in the message, and the message was that Jesus redeemed them. And what I'm saying to us today is that God's not going to move great because we fast. God will move great because we say, God, we want you more than we want this. We want you more than anything else. And he will fill the heart of one who says, God, I want you more. Fasting is not to get God to move. Fasting is to get me out of the way so God can move. Does that make sense? And this whole thing fasting is not the it's the it's not the practice that there's power in it's the message and God said I want you to practice this because I want my message there to be real to you today and because I want that message to be real to you today I want you to fast by eating only unleavened bread and not having any meat for 7 days that practice of fasting for us it's not called a diet But it's spiritually where I say to God, God, there's other stuff that's come into my life and I need to sometimes spiritually regroup and refocus. I need to go through a season of detoxing. Sometimes it's a fast with television. There have been times, it hasn't been for a while now. I don't know if the Holy Spirit will stir us to do it again. It's been a couple months now since the Lamer House called a TV fast. There's times where it's, you know what? We need to shut this off or we need to stay away from this stuff. We need to do without this because the problem is not that I crave. The problem is that there are other things that are taking the place of what I truly should crave. Does that make sense this morning? And I need to hunger and thirst after him. So I'm going to ask you to join us and pray. I'm giving that to you now. Next week, we'll put something in your bulletin that'll just be a, some information, and we'll have a prayer guide that'll go for 21 days. Uh, churches across Fayette County are participating in this. We're not the only church. In fact, uh, there are other churches that are going to be using the same prayer guides because we are one church here at Fayette County. We believe in one Jesus, and there's one spirit, and we believe that one Jesus Christ is the head of this church. And that God wants to restore and cause us to return to a hunger for him. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.